Blog Talk Radio. Next year, 
um, or at least one. You never know about the second one, right? So, you know, if it actually gets announced that way, right, because news, you know, we know how news works. That's what I, I've actually, you know, I do believe that's what it is. Um, I checked with a, a source or two, and it sounds like it, that's going to be the case. If that wasn't the case and it was just a one-off and then hopefully we get it done, That'd be ridiculous, but I doubt they'd be doing all this. Saudi, with that money, I doubt they'd be doing this. So it sounds like they both have three-fight deals. Um, and and it, it's it's probably best for Wilder because he gets a fight in. Um, you know, Parker is definitely past his prime, but so is Wilder, if we're going to be honest about it. But at least he gets a fight in, gets a full training camp and a fight, you know. Um, well, I say full training camp, but maybe he's been in training camp for a little while or something because it's really not all that full. But that that's a positive for him. I'd rather than just fight in December and January or January, but if this is how it's going to go, I know Eddie Hearn seemed hell-bent to get Joshua another fight this year, so that would be three fights for him, so he should be ready to go. Um, so, yeah, you know, a bunch of people rumored on that card, Frank Sanchez, Bibble, Dubois. We'll get into the details when it comes to that. We'll also get into some of the details about Bud Crawford, who we all know is the man at 147 regardless, but he did get his IBF belt stripped from him. Some folks are freaking out. Some folks realize it's just a business, um, you know. The thing is, he even said it out of his mouth. He's not going to fight Boots next forever. And he's only got a few fights left anyway. And I don't mean that, oh, he's not going to fight Boots ever. He's ducking. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Obviously, his biggest money opportunities, including this Spence rematch, are above 147. I mean, he said itself, Charlo and Canelo and whatever. Now, I guess the only one he said was what? Gervonta at 147? Well, Gervonta's not coming up to 47 to fight him. So, to me, it's really not that big of a deal. But we'll talk about it because, you know, they did make a quick decision on it rather than lingering, uh, you know, with Spence and whatnot. Of course, you know, had they stripped him before the fight, you know, or, or right after the fight, I'm sure the conspiracy would be, well, they're trying to give Spence a place to go to get a belt. You know, I don't know. But either way, it is, it is quick. You know, sometimes the IBF can be quick when they were, or this one they were, the previous one, obviously they weren't. Step aside money plays into this stuff, too, when we're talking about it. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Someone actually just told me that the, that ESPN Plus card is interesting. Yeah, that the, the one, I think they're saying from overseas, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Denzel. Denzel, the, isn't he fighting? I think he's fighting um, Bentley and, and Nick Ball and Isak uh, Dogbo or Dogbay, if I, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's the one. So, um, yeah, like I said, there, there's some interesting stuff all week long. Like I said, don't forget about Pro Box. That's been really solid ever since uh, you know it hit there. So, like I said, we do have a variety of stuff to talk about that we'll get into in just a short little bit here. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope 
radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Up and download the show there directly if you don't want to. You can find this boxing show called the Rope It Up Radio um, podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Google Podcasts. You can download the podcast app, Pod Bay, Pod Tail, Deezer. Someone said that they listened to me uh, the other day. Just Google it. And you'll find some place where you can check it out. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com, Eastside Boxing, and Phil Boxing. And one more quick thing from Direct TV Stream: College basketball is back, and college football is really coming to a head here. Catch the action with our best deal of 2023 and save up to 64.99. There's big value for big fans. Get the entertainment package. And Direct TV Sports Pack for only eighty four ninety nine a month plus taxes uh, for the first three months with a twenty four month agreement. You can lock it in. Um, choose the Direct TV streaming package. That's right for you, starting at sixty nine ninety nine. All right. So, um, whoops. So. Like I said, this last weekend was very much prospect-driven, and there's two fights that I will kind of key in on. Um, Callum Walsh um, was in a fight that was a good fight for him, a very good fight. Um, You know, he got dropped and stuff, got roughed up a little bit. Um, Ismail Birel, something like that. I've seen this guy fight a couple times. Uh, Walsh overall was busier. Um, he was boxing off the, the back foot a fair amount. Um, he looked tired down the stretch of that fight probably because, you know, he was forced to move a lot more than he ever had. That's actually what he was saying, and you know, after the fight. Um, and I thought when, you know, after the knockdown, it did seem like he was actually a little more tired than he was full-on hurt. Um, and, it's, you know, it, his opponent – Virilla, Viril, I think it is. He, he had, you know, he was, he brought a fair amount of pressure. I don't think he was active enough the whole, you know, enough the whole time, and he probably needed to throw more combinations. Um, but he, like I said, he scored a, a knockdown in the tenth round. Um, you know, you could maybe call it a push, but if you look, there's at least what one or two earlier that were kind of close calls too. Um, and I'd say Walsh, you know, he's only what nine and zero now. I think he's got seven KOs. So obviously stamina, stamina is part of this stuff, right? Going rounds, getting in there with tough fights. Um, he definitely needs to work on his defense. Um, but I did. I, I thought it was a really good fight going in and coming out of it. I think the scorecards, one of them ninety-seven, ninety-two, and the other. I think the other two were like 96-94 or 96-95, something like that. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a good fight. Callum Walsh, you know, he uh, fights out of the southpaw stance for the most part anyway, like I said. Personally, I did kind of think that he was more gassed than hurt, um, but it was a good fight for him. Um, and we'll just kind of keep you know, keep an eye on him. Uh, I think on that card that Brian uh, Sabayo, he scored like a fourth round 
yeah, fourth round TKO. I, I kind of, I kind of liked what I saw out of that fight. You know, as far as testing a prospect, and we'll see. Like I said, he definitely has to tighten up on some things, no doubt. But um, you know, we'll see where he goes. Um, Herring, you know, was back. Quick knockout. He, he says he's ready to go. Wants to take on champions and whatnot. He has been out of the ring for a while, uh, so I guess he feels, you know, fresher. Um, and, you know, this I could say, oh, maybe he shouldn't take on the top guys because he didn't look good the last time, and, he, he, you know, he's getting up there in age. But, you know, these guys are, are full-grown men, right? They, they can do whatever they want. If they feel like, hey, I still got something left, then they go for it, you know? And maybe with that little break, it freshened them up, so to speak. So, wasn't much there with that Molina, I think it was. Um, Medcalf did beat Yoshida. Um, I thought the cards were maybe a tad wide, but she had a clear, clear win. Um, uh, you know, so good performance from her. Um, what else we got? Oh, then we got the Shabazz Masoud, I think it is. Masad. Shabazz against uh, Jose San Martin. So Shabazz and, and Jose. Now, this was a good competitive fight here. Um, I thought Shabazz won the first round. Um, kind of pieing with the jab, but the left hand to the head and body, which was a weapon for him, a lot of it. Um, whereas San Martin, he landed a nice right hand a couple times to the body and in the head headshot, I think, too. I did give San Martin the second round, though, his overhand rights. Um, he kind of had that high guard as he's bringing the pressure, and those overhand rights were, were doing the trick. He had him trapped on the ropes at times, and that was kind of what his goal was in the fight. Kind of a back-and-forth fight. I gave the third one to uh, Shabazz. You know, he started not just pawing with his jab, but actually, you know, jabbing pretty nicely, I thought. Um, really nice left hooks. I thought there were some really nice left hooks, like I said, that left hand. Uh, there was a nice late left hand by Sam Martin, and, you know, he definitely uh, brought that into the next round. I, I thought he won the fourth round, those short left hands to the head and body, um, and also his, uh, his right hook to the head, too. Uh, the fifth round, I thought, was pretty close. Um, and then I thought Shabazz won. I gave him the sixth. Let me see here. I gave him the sixth, seventh. I gave him four out of the uh, let me see, four out of the last five rounds, actually. Um, I thought, I just thought he, he landed these, sh- you know, short, crisp shots to the body and head. Um, started adding an uppercut in there. A lot of times, actually, to the body. Um, and then I'd say the last part of it, he was kind of sticking and moving. It was, the, the seventh round was a close round. I didn't think San Martin was, was landing enough, like solid stuff. But, yeah, he was more on his, um, you know, stick and move Shabazz was. Um, and, you know, that he, he won it. You know, he, he won more of that. Um, I did. I did think Martin, though, actually, hold on. I did think Martin, though, was starting to, like, Sam Martin was starting to, uh, you know, lean on him more.
on the second half of the fight. I did think he was leaning on him more and really kind of getting some good shots in, but the jab, the left hand, pivoting, circling, um, either, you know, uh, Shabazz was holding the center of the ring or, or like I said, circling, left hands to the body, you know, just kind of just kind of winning the fight, basically. Um, but it was a split decision, and like I said, there was at least two close rounds in there, competitive rounds, so, um, you know, I, I thought it was a really competitive fight. Um, let me see, I gave Sad Martin one, two, three. Yeah, I had it Six to four. I had it six to four. Um, but, you know, he, I mean, Shabazz, I think it's Masoud. He definitely got tested in the fight. Um, and obviously that's what you want, right? That's what you want in these uh, fights. That's exactly what you want, really. So, overall, um, that was, oh, and then also Tito uh, Mercado. He was taking on that fighter that uh, Shakur Stevenson won against. And I remember Stevenson was boxing against him. He got a bunch of uh, crap for kind of boxing and just winning rounds and not doing much because he said his power, the Nakathila, I think it is, Nakathelia. Um, this Tito, Mercado, I mean, this guy, you know, he came out with this little up jab. He's showing, like, good, like, footwork as far as, you know, having the distance, taking his time trying to get closer, backing up slightly, ever so slightly when, uh, you know, his opponent was trying to throw a punch. And, um, you know, I did, it was early in the fight, so it was kind of weird. I mean, you can't get that much pressure done per se in the first round. You're going to, you're going to, you know, take your time and whatnot. Both, go, both, you know, fighters were, but I just, I didn't think, it didn't seem like Nakathila really, uh, committed fully all the way, but it was tough to say because, you know, it only went not even a full two rounds. So he's bringing pressure, but it just wasn't that effective. I thought he was a little hesitant. He, you know, he landed some jabs, but thought he was a little hesitant, still kind of feeling out the, the fighter. And then Tito just, uh, you know, landed like this couple, this right-left hand, knocked him down. Um, it was like a, a right, left, and then kind of a, a cuffing shot that didn't really land cleanly while he was going down, kind of. Then a flurry, and it was over, and dude, dude's legs were in trouble. I mean, some people thought it, it got stopped a little early. I don't know, man. I mean, when he was, like, walking around and trying to jump around, obviously being able to jump shows you that he's not that hurt, I suppose, right? But he looked hurt to me. He looked hurt to me, and uh, I suppose there, there, how much time was left in the, in the second? I don't know, but that dude looked good. I mean, that that dude definitely, I got to, you know, give him credit. That guy, I thought, well, I think he'd have to put on the best performance, Tito. Was it Mercado, I think it's called? Mercado, Mercado? He definitely won the weekend from a prospect perspective. I mean, and, and some people think he's one of the top prospects, uh, you know, this year. So that's a good performance, you know, considering where he's at, you know, fight-wise. And he took care of business. He took care of business. And, and, and he basically just never let 
that dude really do much, you know, because the fight ended so quick. I, I did not expect that. I thought this was going to be a really good test for him. And uh, although he started out nice and patient, like I said, using that up jab, feeling his way, um, yeah, he finished it. He finished it really, really quick. So, you know, um, not a whole lot much more that I'll cover when it comes to that. Like I said, we will get to the doubleheader, Shakur Stevenson and Edwin De Los Santos on ESPN and, of course, ESPN+. Plus. Um, and then the undercard as well. They got a co-feature. And then the ESPN Plus card, is actually, it's solid. Like I mentioned at the, at the front of the show, I mean, Troy Isley and Vladimir Hernandez is a really good fight. Uh, Brian Norman and Quint, Quinton uh, Randall. These are good fights. I think Floyd Diaz and uh, Emmanuel, or um, it's Floyd Diaz. Who else? Um, anyway, I'll look at the card in a second. Um why can't I think who else is on that as a prospect? Anyway, I, I don't, you know, it's not a big fight or whatever. I think that they're going to use those two as a possible swing bout or one of them at least. Um, but anyway, yeah, and, and like I said, we do have, you know, the ESPN Plus card during the day on Saturday, Pro Box tomorrow. Uh, Diego Pacheco um, is also fighting as well on the zone, so. There's definitely a lot to discuss in and outside of the ring. Let's go ahead and bring in John into the fold here, get his thoughts on what's going on in the sport of boxing. What's going on, John? How the hell are you, my friend? Chris, how's everything going? Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, We're having kind of our last little uh, hurrah this week. Um, up here in Minnesota, and just like Minnesota, it's like this week's going to be like in the 60s, and then by like next Monday or Sunday, we start to see, you know, 30s and a low of like 26. So I'm just trying to really enjoy this week before old man winter uh, shows his face and stays here for like 100 days, you know what I mean? of straight, it can get cold, really cold. So other than that, uh, how are you doing? How are you doing, John? Good, good. Yeah, thinking the same, not quite in uh, Minnesota terms, but, yeah, seeing some uh, upper 60s coming in the next few days. And uh, like you said, maybe take advantage of some of the uh, outdoor activities in the warm sun before uh, Uh we got to buckle down. But not quite on Minneapolis level, but uh, anywhere in the north, yeah, it's going to be getting to be that right. time after this. Yeah, and it's basically all relative anyway, right? Where you're at, cold is cold, hot is hot, whatever. But um, so obviously, if you have any thoughts on this last weekend, it was a very light weekend, very prospect driven. Feel free. Otherwise, we will get to this, you know, ESPN stuff going on this week. And, and obviously, you know, the Saudi Arabia heavyweight bonanza, I guess they would want us to call it, um, with just a whole lot of heavyweights. And we keep hearing more rumors and rumors. And, you know, on one hand, when I first heard the announcement, you know, it hasn't been officially announced that's coming tomorrow, supposedly, but it does sound like it's a done deal. Um, I got to admit, John, when I heard the card, I was like, wait, so they're not fighting each other? Um, but from the sounds of it, like I said, 
I guess we won't know till it's official official tomorrow when they have the press conference. Uh, but sources, I've even checked on a couple, and it does seem legit like they have a deal in place to fight next. So if it was just straight up fighting, um, and then, hey, we'll try to work it out, I'd be like, are we serious here? Uh, when I hear that there's a three-fight deal or whatever, you know, to fight each other next, it, it comforts me a little bit. But considering we thought, okay, December, January, we're going to get the Wilder AJ, it is a little head-scratcher there. But, um, you know, Hearn has been the one talking about how he wanted to get another fight in December for Joshua, so I guess they're happy. Um, and Wilder, I guess you could say he does need a fight probably because he hasn't fought in over a year. And, and when he fought, it was like, what, uh, a minute or two? So I guess ultimately – as long as they get through these fights, both of them, uh, and that that could mean injury too, not just losing. Um, I guess you know having it next summer or whatever will will have to be the consolation prize, uh, and, and just kind of hold off. But uh, what are your thoughts in general? Like I said, if you want to touch upon any of these uh, prospects first from this last week, you can go ahead. It's up to you. You get the floor. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, so. Just before I get into the, the bigger stuff, it might as well just all I've got to really say about this past weekend is what you were just finishing up on. I just took note that Mercado blasted out Nakatila, and with Stevenson fighting on Thursday, it just kind of caught my eye a little bit because it's not really wavering back and forth. You, you have to process the information you get, and, and what I'm getting – at is what you said about Stevenson Nakathila a while back. Shakur took a lot of heat when he he looked poor in that fight. Was ultra cautious. He was saying as as you had mentioned. Well, this guy was a lot stronger and a lot bigger puncher than people think. I could feel it in there, and myself and I don't think anybody else really took that particularly serious at the time, especially since Stevenson was saying himself that even with that said, he wasn't satisfied with his performance. And then Nakathila pulled the big upset over Burchelt. And then I was saying, uh, along with a lot of others, well, I, I guess Stevenson knows what he's talking about. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe this guy was more dangerous than we thought. But now Nakathila's gotten blown out two fights in a row by KO, um, by what Murataya and now Mercado, I think you got to then go back to the beginning and say this guy wasn't really that good. You know, Burchelt is just completely shot from taking all that punishment over the years, and that's all that was about. Now, we'll get to that later, but going into this weekend, does that mean I'm going to change any pick or necessarily how I think the fight's going to play out? No, I'm not, but if you're Edwin De Los Santos, a big, strong guy who, who has some pop, you're at least going to want to try to take some encouragement from that and say, well, Stevenson, True. you know, let Nakasila hang around, was very cautious against him. Does that leave me some hope that maybe, you know, he's obviously much more talented than Nakasila and a better fighter? all around, 
does that leave him some hope? So, but the rest of the weekend I didn't take much from, and I can then back up to what I'm going to get to, which then will get on the Saudi topic and will lead that I think you eloquently pointed out the questions maybe we have about what's going to be announced upcoming supposedly on December 23rd from Saudi Arabia. What I haven't, no pun intended, but what I haven't really gotten a chance to weigh in on on the show, even though we're a couple weeks removed, and of course it was Big That's news, true. That's you know, a good point. Boxing, yeah, we can rewind. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Go ahead. Combat sports. I'm just going to rewind to the, you know, the Fury Nogano. Um, mm-hmm. When, you know, Fury, you know, I, I did, you know, put out on, on X, you know, formally Twitter, right before that fight, I didn't see any, you know, I'm not going to say I thought Nogano had any real chance, but I did tweet out, unless the only possible sliver you could see is that Fury was totally out of shape. But when Fury weighed in nine pounds more than Chisora, then I thought, well, you know, yeah, obviously he's not in the same shape, but I thought nine pounds, you know, with a guy like Fury, it's not like it's not like he was coming in at 320 or something like that, which, I mean, he's 6'9". If he didn't train at all, you would figure that's possible. So you saw, and I, everybody else did, I think, at that point as well, before the fight, well... He's not, he, he's not in the best of shape, but he's probably in, in good enough shape. He should be able to blow the guy out. Um, and, of course, you know, Nugano, he's even older than Fury. And, you know, he, I agree as people were analyzing, you know, just his just stance looked better than he expected. And, of course, he hung in there. He, he looked competent and made a competitive tight fight out of it, scoring the shocking knockdown. Um, I had also mentioned before the fight, what troubled me about the event was I said, you know, I was in the minority, maybe even a minority of one on that, but I, I still stand by it as I even more so, believe it or not, after the event. If you're going to have it, you know, say, hey, look, you know, Fury's the lineal champ. You know, I don't myself personally care much about the WBC belt or what they were going to do, but, you know, Marketed it as a as a heavyweight championship fight, I mean Rademacher fought Patterson, you know, in his first pro fight, uh, and just you know maybe that gives Fury, and, and I did think about this part of it, you know, maybe that gives Fury just a little extra incentive, not a lot, I'm going to admit, but you know, hey, but you know the the title's clearly on the line here, it's 12 rounds. I, I better at least be that prepared to have a plan B if the guy's got more than I expect. You know, presuming that Fury wasn't in that great a shape, um, we I think we can likely assume that, like everybody's saying, including other fighters, that he didn't take them as seriously. But we don't know that for sure. There's some theories that, you know, maybe Fury's just showing some wear in pair at this point. You know, he was in, you know, those those tough fights with Wilder. Uh, and, you know, we know what kind of power Wilder brings. You know, obviously he's going to take some toll on you. But but then on the other hand, of course, that didn't show for Fury against the, in the third fight with Chisora or, you know, he, he handled White, made White look ridiculous and blasted him out of there. So, you know, maybe, maybe Nagano had something to do with it. But where I wanted to weigh in, because that was obviously a Saudi event out there, and we're, we got another one we're going to talk about coming up now. And, and that, that, that did come off. I mean, obviously, Fury and Nugano, it did come off and, and had a, uh, a shocking result, even with the, the freak show nature of the event. But 
my conclusion on yeah, that. Yeah, how did you I score like that? that? Not to interrupt you, but how did you score yeah. that? I, that's mean, I mean, I think, you know, Fury, I mean, enough enough to win it, but he did get dropped. I mean, he didn't do anything dramatically good, and Nugano kept looking competent in there, had his moments, and, you know, had that, you know, late-in-the-fight moments, too. Kind of came down as a could-have-gone-either-way type of thing. You know, no problem with Fury getting the win, but, you know, with a knockdown involved and uh, – Nagano, you know, being the aggressor and still having some moments late and just, you know, looking competent in there, if you want to call that some form of ring generalship, it was there. I'm, I'm with others. That was kind of what was surprising about him in there. You know, usually when you see a guy like that in that situation coming over from MMA, his first pro boxing match, you know, he's just not even going to really look competent with the stance and what he what he does and and like you, you were saying, Chris, and exactly. I agree with you, 100%, got to admit, you know, when they put the video of him out hitting the pads, he looked terrible. Uh, <laughs> you know, it looked like it was going to hurt the fight. Um, but didn't You're right, like that, though. You know, he had thing. a good stance. I didn't think he yeah, looked a counter was, either, you know. Right. That was what kind of jumped out at you, and he scored the legit knockdown. And then, he, you know, he had the moments later, so it, it took the fluke nature out of it a little bit. And, again, Fury could have been in worse shape. I mean, nine pounds over Chisora. We've seen more outrageous things out of heavyweights. So that was that damaging for boxing. That's why I wanted to weigh in on that because, you know, I, and I've been thinking about that over the weeks since, and, and I still feel that way tonight. I do think, you know, look, it's not that obviously this boxing is going on and, it doesn't come down to one event. I agree with all that, but, you know, it was the 41st anniversary of that fight yesterday, and we've talked about it a lot over the years. I am a believer that in that, you know, kind of second golden era of boxing you had in the, the end of the 70s, the the very early part of the 80s, that kind of started to end with, you know, the Mancini-Kim tragedy on CBS, you know, in the afternoon on national TV, viewed by millions. I do think that boxing popularity was never quite the same after that. And there's people that will disagree with that, but you know that, that I do think that was one of those key events that even 41 years later, I think that that still looks that way even more so. And, you know, it was talked about at the time, but I think that that was one of those events. Now, not to equate Fury Nugano with a death in the ring, but I just mean – you know, something that affects the sport. I, I don't think it's like as big as a Mancini-Kim type of thing. You didn't have that kind of viewership, but still quite a bit of worldwide attention. You got MMA attention and boxing attention. I just mean as a as an event, a moment, I do think we are going to look back at that as some an event that really further significantly diminished boxing. Like, you know, it, it seems unrelated, but in a way it's kind of related. Like, you know, and I'm seeing today that Dana White's announcing a big UFC card in 2024 for, you know, Mexican, Mexican Independence Day weekend in the sphere in Vegas. That does jump out at me, though, just in the sense, like, you got the sphere opening up. And, and I'm not saying there won't be a big fight in there, but... You know, that, that'd be the type, you know, U2's already, you know, you know, done a series of shows in there. That would have been a natural type of thing 
you know, for boxing, even in recent years, to have the massive event, you know, early on. And and they might have a big one, but I think that, like we've talked, I, I think that, you know, my my theories become more solidified over the years that, like, if there was people willing to watch combat sports and you just throw MMA and boxing under the same umbrella and that there's only a certain amount of air time that mainstream media and mainstream sports media is willing to give to, again, let's just then call it combat sports, that it, it, even though MMA not, aren't necessarily things that, you know, a fan of boxing and you can't be a fan of boxing and MMA, MMA, if there's just only a certain amount of people willing to watch those sports, it, it's, it's kind of that the MMA percentage is, is going to creep up and, and it gets more attention, not in, in terms of mainstream. I, like I've said before, and I still say it again, I don't think that UFC went mainstream like they claimed they were going to, and I don't think they ever are going to. I mean, you still have the violence element and things like that. But I think what you're getting is just that if there's just a certain X amount of people willing to watch combat sports that, MMA's taking up more and more of that air, and I think it's not because of being a better sport or anything. It is what people say, a lot of people just, and I agree, you know, just because of boxing's problems. I mean, UFC going, you know, with with less weight classes the way boxing used to be, and you're, you get more legit tenders fighting each other again the way boxing used to be, and, you know, Dana White and the people involved in that, well aware of that, White coming actually from a boxing background. So that ties me back into the Fury Nagano, which I just think it is a, a damaging event that, that boxing can't afford. I mean, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, like the sport's going to die out next month or it's not going to go on or something like that. But I do think it's going to be a damaging event. Like Eddie Hearns was just saying it to be negative. I agree, but you know, it doesn't, you, you got to then sometimes say, whether it's true or not. And I think in this case, it was true. Like when Hearn then jumped out immediately that night, the next day and said, who cares about Fury Usyk now? It's not the same fight. And I, I, I think he's right about that. I mean, now they're talking about February 17th, of course, the they're immediately not going on December 23rd. And then that ties into what, what you just said, Chris. Okay. So now we're going to supposedly get this card tomorrow and I think you really analyzed it correctly that was my gut feeling when I saw it because I think a lot of people aren't going to say it and I think you looked at it with the right degree of cynicism and analysis with okay we were supposed to be getting this massive Saudi event with Wilder fighting Joshua and now it's Wilder Parker and Joshua Volin now I think Volin can give Joshua a lot more trouble than a lot of people are going to think but right. yep, yep, yep. I, that's still that's not what we're asking for, though. I mean, like, is there enough curiosity, entertainment value to me as a hardcore boxing, you know, commentator, observer, and fan to pay attention to? Yeah, but but I think you got it right, Chris. Like like let's go pump the brakes and let's keep the right degree of cynicism. Like this is this is not what we asked for. And then there's on the undercard all against like TBAs, you know what I mean? Like, like opponents to be announced, except for Dubois going to apparently fight, you know, Jarrell Miller. Yeah. That, I mean, who knows what the hell, right. who knows what the hell might happen with that? Again, 
Do I have a curiosity factor about Dubois Miller? Yeah, but was I asking for Dubois Miller? You know, and and frankly, where and this isn't going to be on Fox letters, right around Christmas either. You know, it's not going to be on yeah, Fox right. or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is not going to be on Fox. Right, this is not going to be on Fox like uh, that last good PBC card in late December right before Christmas they did have, which is a shame, was very entertaining, and then things faded from there. You know, when you had the uh, Ajagba and Kalaje and uh, Balderas got upset. He got knocked out by, you know, Jaron, and uh, that was the Charlo Korobov on that card too, right, which is a surprisingly good fight. I believe that was all the same. Great card. You know, regular Fox, I mean, maybe, right, those might not have been fights that you would have been looking for, but that card worked out really well. Yeah, on Fox, this is right. This, we know we're long, even only a couple of years later, we know we're long past the days where we're going to get that on Fox. I mean, you know, people are going to be getting asked to break out their, you know, <laughs> break out the wallet, uh, you know, I mean, get ready to be charged. And, and you know, it's just, I thought just for the way you analyzed it when I looked at it, I thought, you know, the boxing fan part of me wants to say, oh, I know the names of these guys, and, and there could be some surprise entertainment. But, again, as a hardcore fan, commentator, I'm sick of it, like in terms of just for the reasons you already stated. Like, this is not what we well, Especially for. with we this fight. Both... Especially yeah. with this fight, John. Because it's been since 2018, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like we've been talking right. about this fight for a while. Yeah, we don't need a setup. We we don't need a setup for Wilder Joshua. Yeah, it's been so, set up. Yeah, so then then you get to like, and look, it's not you don't feel sorry for them because of necessarily because of the reasons they're doing it. Although there are supposedly some reforms, you know, I've talked about that before on the political front, and and that's you know. From, from credible publications, you know, like the New York Times and things. I mean, you know, it doesn't yeah, mean yeah, everything's yeah. perfect, but I'm talking about the Saudis, of course. So, like, what I'm saying here is this, like, it, it's probably like the, the Saudis got this pile of cash out there, like we're talking about, but then the promoters, like, you know, this is really where it's got to be them. Like, you know, they, it's almost like then when push comes to shove, then they're, they're thinking like, well, we don't really know if we want to give you a wild or – you know, maybe we can get this money from these guys without giving them Wilder Joshua. You know, maybe maybe we'll give them Wilder Parker and Joshua Valin and say, hey, you might get Wilder Joshua next, and we'll take that cash, and and then you know, Wilder Joshua will never happen, and, and which is likely, frankly, or, or they do it now. You know, or, or why? Or, you know, if the Saudis were saying, no, you give us Wilder Joshua if you want this money. And, you know, maybe, you know, they have been desperate. They're overpaying for events. So, you know, it almost smells of that. And, and I, I'm, you know, you always get tired of this stuff in the sports, but sport, but I'm really tired of it, especially like I, I opened with, you know, to me, it all does kind of relate to the Fury Naganu and, you know, is boxing really going to do something to at least, keep their percentage of the pie from MMA, which is really what it's coming down to at this point. And, and they're really not doing it. That, that's, that's the thing. They're, they're not doing it. Um, and this, this announce what, what you're, what's expected to be announced tomorrow. I'm not going to do it. And I still have to say too, what, you know, November 14th, even though there is enough time for a camp, 
like you say, Chris, you know, Wilder's out over a year. I mean, these guys are going to fight on December 23rd. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. I'm, I'm not seeing it. You know, Valim, you know, I take that, you know, that guy's serious. You know, he, he just fought Gassiev. He, he's probably ready. Uh, he's looked hungry, you know, when he's been in with, with Fury. You know, he had to pull that upset against Gassiev and, and basically hostile territory. Take him seriously. And I'm not saying Joshua's not maybe ready, but, like, Wilder's been off over a year. Um, you know, Parker's been active, but against soft opposition, you know, he got, I, you know, weird things could happen. I mean, Wilder's getting into his late 30s. Parker's, you know, quite a bit younger, but he's got a lot of wear and tear. Who knows? But, you know, I would feel Valine would be ready, but, again, I don't know. I don't know. And then these other fights, like like I said, basically a lot of these guys are mentioned. It's all PBAs, you know, you know or TBT. <laughs> TBD, an opponent to be determined, and I'm I'm not I'm not real I'm not real excited. There's a curiosity factor there, but but I, I don't think it's like oh this is gonna you know this is gonna save boxing or this is gonna gain a lot of momentum. I mean, you know we had the you and I talked about it before they happened. I mean the the two fights left that we kind of most wanted to see. I mean in terms of like kind of a, you know a general interest. I mean Garcia Davis. And, uh, you know, Crawford Spence, they happened. I mean, the Davis-Garcia rumored numbers, $1.2 million. That's getting more into some glory days and better than what we've been getting, but kind of hasn't seemed to lead to much. I mean, you know, Garcia's coming back against a soft opponent. Tank hasn't been back yet. And then Crawford Spence, you know, a fight we wanted to see great you know, to be great in the ring and great event. We we haven't really heard a real, real lot about the numbers. And like I said, I, you know, things are so driven by broadcast. I, I don't care about live gates. I'm not saying you don't want to make the money from it, but that's not what's driving events in 2023. So, you know, Showtime's heading out of boxing. I mean, we, we do know that. So <laughs> that's a fact. I mean, they, those were two Showtime pay-per-view events. They're not even going to be in the pay-per-view part. I don't see how you can say it. You know, they happened, but I don't see how you can say it was a great year for boxing because that part's not under the promoter's control. But the fights didn't come out that good. I mean, that that's just the random type factor. I mean, I was shocked what happened to Spence. Completely shocked. Credit to Crawford, and uh, you know, Garcia was okay against Tank, but uh, not spectacular. Um, you know, Tank. He's got he's got momentum and popularity building, but again with this this climate of sport, you know how how much really is that? So that's kind of my just that's kind of my general take take heading into whatever we're going to get announced tomorrow, and and we've got a at least an ESPN ESPN Plus card Thursday night. But if you really look deep into those matchups, it's some of the same problems we're talking about. So the one thing I'll push back on is pay-per-view big fights. There's been plenty of one-sided pay-per-view one, you know, fights. I mean, the biggest fight ever was super one-sided. So I, I, I would, I although I see what you're saying. I mean, like you said, it's not the people that put it together, you know, their fault because these are the fights people want to see. You can tell uh, in a number of ways, but. Um, you're right. They didn't really. The only 
for like a couple rounds uh, when Ryan had some success. But other than that, and I suppose Spence in the first two rounds, you know, had a little success. But that was about it. You're right. They were one-sided. Obviously, the Canelo-Charlo was completely one-sided. I will say this, though. If a fight at the gate is going to make, you know, 8 or 10 or 15 or 20 mil, there's a good chance that fight going to get made. You know what I mean? So I'll say it does count for something still. Uh, but, I, I, but I hear what you're saying. It's not the be-all, end-all. And, you know, to be fair, um, you know, uh, it kind of matters the structure uh, of the deal, obviously. But uh, a lot of times that can just go to them, and it's not growing, you know, it's not going back necessarily way to the network. That's just to add up at the end of the year, and it does go right back into the budget uh, per se. Uh, it, t- it matters the structure, though. But um, going back to the um, – so do you think the so – are you saying you don't think these fights are going to happen December 23rd? I'm, I'm not uh, – yeah, I'm not 100% confident they're going to happen. No, that – I mean, because the Fury Usyk, or yeah, the Fury Usyk, I agreed with you on that. Right. But I, I don't agree on this one. I, I think these fights are going to happen. But you're right. I mean, it is a turnaround. Now, have they known about this for a little bit, you know, and, and just shut their mouth and have been in training camp? It's it's a fair question. I mean, we are sitting here, like you said, November 14th. Um, but if they announce it and have a whole thing. The money means the money's there. You know what I mean? So I, I do think it would happen if they announced it. Now, of course, fights have gotten announced before officially and then not happen. So it could happen, but it, I would think that would be injury or something. Well, they probably would do the – I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I agree, I agree with question. your point. It's a, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, just, I do agree with your point, though. I mean, kind of money's there, and they're willing to put it up for, you know, Valine – Joshua and Wilder Parker, you know, I don't know exactly what the numbers are. I'm not going to claim to. I mean, if they're so high and they're willing to do it for those fights, you're right. I mean, then, you know, then Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua might be saying, yeah, we're there, you know. And, you know, of course, Parker and Valine are going to be there. Um, so, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> and they it, are it, taking you know, pictures it, with, you know, one of the main guys over there. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. that's – not that that would finalize it, but in a sense it kind of does, you know what I mean, if they announce it and stuff. Yeah, if, if that kind of money's there and, and it's really there, and we know the Saudis can bring that money. So um, then it goes back right. – yeah, you've had that in other eras of boxing. I mean, you know, even, even when the money turned out to not be there, like the, the famous Harold yeah, Smith yeah. deal in the, in, in the early 80s right. when, they, when, he, when he had all the, the best fights everybody wanted to see signed for the same card and then it turned out that the money wasn't there but when they thought it was there they were all on yeah. board i mean like they they were fighting yeah, yeah. i mean all the all the hall of famers now you know uh they they, they were it was going to yeah. be like you know one of them was gonna be like matthew Saad muhammad against uh eddie mustafa muhammad and they had fought as middleweights when they were both lesser known but the, that was when they were both at the top right. of their games they were going to fight and i think it was now Hearns and Benitez did fight later on, but that that that's when they originally were going to fight, and you know there there was other other monster fights on there, um, but then the money turned out yeah, not yeah, to yeah. be there. That was in the U.S., but but yeah, if, you know with the Saudis, they just obviously they got Fury in there, and 
yeah. Nagano. So the the money the money the money was there, and uh, you know, Usyk Usyk fought over there with you know, and and, and Joshua. So the, the you know the money's the money's been there. So you're right. I mean, I I would agree with you. I mean, I, I, I it just seems like the timing. I feel a little skeptical, but if the South the timing the is does come down it is and, weird. But it does come down to what you said. I mean, like, it, that is kind of the history of boxing, understandably, for the fighters, too. Like, you know, if, if that kind of money's there and they're willing to put it up for not Wilder Joshua, but Wilder Parker and Joshua Valine, yeah, I, I guess the guys might be there December 23rd now. <laughs> and, and then you got to figure they got to work out some kind of a pay-per-view thing. I, again, I, I don't know how much it sells, but then again, we don't know if the Saudis really care. And this is a different. They you know, don't. This is a different, they definitely right. don't. <laughs> this is a differently, a different driven thing. So they yeah. do not really care. And and I guess then you go with the same analysis with Fury Usyk on February seventeenth. Eddie Hearn may just be being negative, but I do think he's right. The fight's severely diminished. I don't even think at this point. Generally, it would be as big a fight as a Fury Nagano rematch, and we may not like that. That's not no, but that's true. what yeah. we want it to be. But I just think that's reality. I mean, what's a bigger seller at this point? So, again, it's what the Saudis are what the Saudis are are willing to pay for. Um, but like you said, you know, it's not that there haven't been hype. You know, that's the nature of boxing. I pay-per-view events between legitimate great fighters that turn out to be bad fights. I mean, you know, Leonard Duran three was a terrible fight. Uh, and we were, yeah, up because, you know, Duran had just beaten Barkley and thought it was going to be the redemption that we right. never thought would, would happen after all those years. But, you know, Leonard clearly won the fight, but it was a terrible fight. And there's been plenty of others. I mean, again, not, I just think he straight out got KO'd. But when Michael Spinks, you know, went down against Tyson, um, you know, and won, yeah. you know, huge fight, uh-huh. it happened. But it's just that what I'm saying is where the sport, you know, and then kind of yeah. almost out of desperation, making the, the two fights the fans arguably wanted to see the most. Certainly there was no argument that they were the very biggest. They, right, it didn't pay off. So it didn't pay off in a great oh. year of memories in that sense for boxing and like you made a good point then even Jermel Charlo and Canelo which you might think you know at least tactically would could have been an interesting fight you know that that right turned out to be bomb as well uh it's 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 really not going well but like you said about live gates Chris you make a point in boxing I mean I still don't think it drives it but you could make the argument that in boxing with Vegas wanting the people there in person, that that always has been a legit big money driver. Like, in other words, and that kind of does go with the live gate. You know, Vegas has been willing to put up big numbers for site fees before the gate even comes in just because they want that event there. Mm -hmm. They want the people in town. They want the people at the casinos. And and a lot of times they are people coming in from even different areas of the world. It's been a big driver. so you, you do have that factor in boxing that always has been important. That's why all the fights were landing in Vegas, the big fights. But there's just well, there's so not much that on... many can, that can do an eight or ten million dollar gate, really. You know what I mean? Or, or twenty, let yeah, alone twenty. That was what was so crazy up. about this year. It's like, wow, that's impressive because that's tough to do. It's really tough to do. 
Yeah, the fight second um, Frank. Yeah, yeah, no, and there's not there hasn't been that many in the history of the sport. Uh, you know what I mean? So, but anyway, I, I do want to ask you something. So, when you say it hurt, so first of all, here in the states, based off of some fairly pretty, you know, well-reported numbers, anyway, it Fury and Ganu definitely didn't do good here. Right. Like here, it, it was pretty bad. But, yeah, the rumor. It, you know, there's a rumor. There's an unsubstantiated rumor that it was what fifty-seven thousand pay-per-views in the U.S. on ESPN Plus or something. That hasn't been confirmed, but we, we right, saw right, some yeah. abysmal numbers thrown out like that. Um, I don't like know if it could have been that low. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but, even if it does below a hundred or one hundred and fifty, or you know, it's still not good. You know. As far as like, hey, right. wow! But I, but when you say it wasn't good for boxing because Fury looked like shit, is that what you mean? Or the whole yes. setup of the fight? No, I, like I, I, I ultimately when I'm when I'm talking about the catastrophic thing, I, I right, do right. mean what you said that that you know the lineal heavyweight boxing champion of the world, traditionally right. the baddest man on the planet, you know, before MMA was and even that's around. What you give us. Yes, and that's what you give us. I, I do think because boxing's such a historical sport, and you know, with this sure. MMA cutting in over the last twenty years, we haven't had that happen yet. And then for that to happen, for the you know the lineal heavyweight champion, and you know Fury right. has built up a, a a reasonably big name in the U.S. So it, it's not like it's not like he's some guy in the Definitely. U.S. at this point that people haven't heard of him. I mean, when you consider where boxing is at in recent years, I mean, 850 for a Fury Wilder two, while disappointing at the time and you hope for better with the numbers you've seen out of fight since you have to respect it in terms of, you know, what, what they were drawing. And of course, Wilder's got a lot to do with that too, you know, more than even Fury, but again, Fury building up enough of a U.S. name that it's not like people didn't know who he was. And then to have this problem with Nugano, who who's, you know, a, a guy who made his name in the UFC, you know, was the UFC heavyweight champ in his first pro fight. I, I think that's the disaster, yes. That's the part that I think is the disaster, not how it sold the event, um, you know, being in Saudi Arabia and things and, and low reported ESPN plus numbers in the U.S. For me, it's the... The heavyweight champ, traditionally the baddest man in the planet, baddest man on the planet, you know, getting knocked around by an MMA guy in his first pro fight and, you know, winning a controversial decision with with all the things boxing's had going against it, including, I don't think MMA expanding the pie at all or going mainstream, like I keep saying, that's nonsense, but just gradually over the last 20 years, cutting into boxing's part of the pie and part of the attention boxing gets. I, I just don't think boxing could afford that, could afford what happened. Uh, that That's what I think was the disaster of it. Even if, regardless of what the numbers were here, um, people knew about it quickly. And so they right. know, they, you know, so either way, a lot of these times, even when Wilder was building up slowly but surely, you know, the gate would improve, the ratings would improve and all that. And 
But still, sometimes it was just this highlight reel knockout that would go viral. And that's what people were like, oh, I got to watch that fight now. I got to go see that fighter. I got to see his next fighter, you know. And that either way, especially nowadays with social media, um, yeah, I remember being in bars and restaurants and seeing especially younger people than us looking on the phone, like watching the highlight, like, oh, snap, you know, did you do that? You know, did you see that? And it, and it built that way. So you're right. I definitely think uh, just because of the crossover appeal and then now finally the MMA folks would have something to stand on and they'd be like, see, here we go. And so that would actually do better, um, no doubt about it. I still don't – like if it's during the afternoon, obviously that hurts. But, yeah, I agree. It, it, it'll do – it would do better. It would definitely do better um, than, than, than Siri Usyk. Um, I, I don't know if it cheapens Harry Usyk uh, for me personally, but I see what you're saying. He, he basically, I mean, it was really weird not to see him be able to move and jab gracefully. It's like if there's ever a guy that you could just stick and move on, this was the fucking guy. So what was the right. problem, dude? You know, like switching southpaw, and you know, it didn't seem like he was fully focused on the fight. You know what I mean? He came in looking kind of weird. It, it, right. You know, his body's never going to look great, but you can tell the difference in body, even though it doesn't. it's never going to look great. But the fact that he couldn't move the whole fight kind of tells me he was probably didn't want to get tired. I, I don't know. It was it was bad, though. You're, you're totally right. He, he let he, he definitely let folks down as far as representing the boxing side. There's just no way around it. Um, and I agree. I had Fury barely winning, but um, so you six four to great, you know, or seven to three well, great, yeah. you know. That it, it, you know, go ahead. You no, you remind me of one thing, Chris, that I wanted to point out in the analysis, the in the ring part. Um, I agree with what you said that Fury just looked kind of weird, and you, you you do have to think that there was something with the preparation not taking the fight seriously but at the at the risk of sounding over analytical I, I think it's legit though there was one other additional style thing that I think Fury probably wasn't thinking of that problem um, you know we know Fury's fast for his size and, and can can stick and move but hadn't really been doing it quite as much lately um, and I think what might have happened that kind of caught him off guard in this fight was in really in his more recent effective uh, career, you know, Fury has been coming in at those high weights and, and he's been having those moments where he's been leaning on his opponents, you know, um, you know, he was definitely able to do it against Wilder, you know, get getting him tired out with that way. And, and, you know, even, like, you look at that KO against White, how, you know, he he, he nailed him with the uppercut and, and then pushed him off. I mean, you know, clean, clean knockout, but just you know, you, that highlight's been around a lot, and you see that, you know, so he's, you know, he's nailing him and shoving him off at the same time. You know, that's the one thing when you're fighting a guy who was an MMA guy who, you know, had, had done – has to do all that clinching and wrestling, you're – the one thing that that guy is going to be able to get from doing, and, and we, we were going to assume 
that he couldn't box, but we, we, we agree that he looked better and took care of that better than expected. But the, if there was one thing you thought he was going to be able to do, which then that was the case, would be, you know, he, he's going to be able to keep from getting leaned on and, and you know, have where Fury can't do that, you know, lean on him, wear him out, because, you know, an MMA guy, you know, having to have... Even grabbing him is, is dangerous. Right, right, right. The wrestling discipline and everything, you're not going to be leaning on a guy like that and grabbing him and pushing him up against the ropes and doing that, because that that guy, that that's the one thing that that guy is going to be more naturally able to handle, and, and Nugano also is a big guy. You know, he's not a he, his first heavyweight boxing match, but he's not a small heavyweight. So I think it was that, like with his size and strength combined with that, you know, wrestling and and clinching ability you get from training in MMA, that Fury couldn't really go to that. Like he'd been able to, you know, weigh in at those high weights and at 6'9", you know, lean, lean on opponents in recent years and, and, and get them tired and, and, and rough them up at certain moments. So, so that part, you know, was kind of, kind of taken away from him. So that, I think that's one more in the ring point of that fight that's worth bringing up. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, his stance was better than I thought it would be. It wasn't, uh, I mean, it was a little awkward, but it looked like a boxing stance. And another thing that le- when he kept giving him the left hand counter, it was like, yeah, I didn't expect him to be looking to counter anything. Um, so that was, uh, I do got to give him more credit than I did going in. That, you know, that that was it. But you know what? That happened a couple weeks ago. Let's catch up. So, um, like you said, the, the AJ, you know, Odo Wallen, Otto Wallen, Wallen, um, that is kind of an interesting matchup. Um, you know, we both uh, – hit a nice little plus number recently and the fact that he fought recently now AJ spot twice this year as well and it did seem Eddie Hearn the last couple months was hell-bent on getting him another fight in December and he kept saying that if the fight in the U.S. between Wilder and Joshua would happen once the uh, that other uh, entity didn't you know bring the actual money to him um it looked like that was going to get pushed to the spring and who knows, maybe the summer in Vegas. Because he said, you know, we have some other countries. We have Wembley and then we have, you know, Vegas. And Vegas would be the biggest, you know, gate in, like you said, the, the fee beyond Saudi Arabia or whatever or, or some other country that, you know, who knows. He's a promoter. You never know. But that is, I mean, you know, I, I brought up getting hurt in these fights because that could possibly happen. Now you could say they could reschedule. Uh, we haven't seen like a, in a tentative April date or anything like that, so we don't really know exactly. Well, I, I'll take it back. It won't be April. It won't be April. But uh, it'd be more in the summer, you know, uh, given the, the holiday and, and the, you know, the celebration and, and the, the faith items, you know, to, to talk about. It definitely wouldn't be in April. But, um so that's a that is an interesting fight, and I'll say this: if, like I said, if they're willing to freaking pay for these fights, it probably is it probably is better for Wilder to get a fight in. You know, no matter where Parker is in his career, you know, it probably it probably suits him better to to get a fight in because even in his last fight, he had taken a lot of time out because you know he 
such a brutal beating in that third fight, took about a year off and then came back and then, you know, knocked out, you know, Hellenius so quick. So it's probably much better that way. Um, And as far as Parker, I'll say this, Parker can at least give him a minor look on how, although most people fight Wilder this way anyway, but he can kind of give him a minor look on how Joshua fights nowadays, you know, with the jab, kind of circling around, moving slightly around, kind of like, if you think about AJ, when he's more aggressive, when he fought Parker and how Parker was moving on the outside pretty much the whole, the whole time, I doubt throwing a jab, so I may not like this, but I will say getting a fight in for Wilder and then at least going against a jab big dude, I think that's something. But, yeah, I definitely have more interest as far as uh, could this be an upset with uh, Waleen. Yeah, Wilder, I'm worried about the age, too, even though he looked good in the brief time against Hellenius and and all the credit in the world to Wilder, that weight back down – because he's getting at the advancing age, and to, to show he was still willing to do that, uh, that, that was impressive, uh, impressive discipline and, and a surprise. But I still think the age can catch up to him, especially after the beatings he took in the Fury fights. So I, I, don't, I don't like time going on for Wilder. Um, Valin, he can mimic some of the things that, that Usyk does, which – would lead you to believe that he could give Joshua some trouble just on that alone. Uh, now they have fought in the amateurs and Joshua beat him, but you know, the amateurs is the amateurs. So uh, you look at that and, and the toughness that Valine has shown against Fury and Gassiev. Um, and, you know, some people have questioned that element of Joshua more in recent years. Um I don't think you could necessarily do that, even though you see him getting timid. I mean, uh, you know, boxing is the toughest sport, and uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to count Joshua out with with his power when he brings, and uh, it doesn't mean he's he's going to just fold or anything. And, and Valine hasn't proven to be the puncher we might thought he was going to be early in his career against lesser opposition as he he stepped up. So, you know, I'm not sure. You know that that would probably be one of the big questions in that fight. I think style-wise, Valine can give Joshua some trouble, and Valine's shown some good toughness. You know, can can Valine hurt even Joshua? Even though we've questioned Joshua's chin, uh, can can Valine hurt him? You know, one heavyweight can always hurt another, but but I mean, really, like, you know, more likelihood of hurting him, where it doesn't have to be something really more unusual or kind of one shot out of the blue. Uh, I don't. I don't know if if he can. I think he's. I would go as far as to say he's got a good shot at pulling the upset. If he, but but that part I I I'm not sure of. I, I'm not sure if Valine can can bring enough power to get Joshua right. uh, worried enough. And uh, so that that that's the thing that is interesting. And then you know Parker's competent enough. Again with Wilder's age, I I do think that you know. It, it yeah, everybody's be, it talking about Parker's over the hill. It's like, well, I mean, Wilder's past his prime. He's not in his prime. No, he's not in his prime, exactly. And, and we got to realize that. So, yeah, Parker's got a lot of wear and tear, but he's not that old. So, you know, 
you, you, ne- you never you never know in that in that type of uh, in that type of sense. Now, you, you know, probably have too much trouble hitting Parker, and you know that that's where you got to give uh, Deontay Wilder. You know, there's no doubt he's proven. You know, if he, if he's going to be able to hit you, he's going to be able to take you out. So uh, that that's I think what people look at with those types of fights. But um, also Wilder, to his credit, he, he showed he was really willing to get in really good shape by what weight he came in against Hellenius, if he's willing to do that again, um, I think he's much more dangerous that way, and, and he can bring more things to the table, uh, you know, you better with the jab when he's got that weight low and, and you know, working off the jab, that type of thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. And then, again, how you know, how how's this fight going to come up? You know, again, I guess the Saudis don't care. The money must be there, but we we have no idea what kind of broadcasting is going to come out of this type of situation. Um, PBC's kind of in limbo right now. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to be in limbo forever, but at the moment, except there, there is a Showtime final Showtime card in December. So I don't know. I can't even tell you the answer on that. I don't. I don't know how all that part of it plays out. Never in my wildest dreams, John, would I think Showtime Boxing's last show would be here in Minneapolis. Never. This is in 1936, you know what I mean, when right. boxing was just popping off at the armory. Like, um, I never thought that that would be the case. So, in a sense, it's kind of cool that way, you know what I mean, since it's happening anyway. They're, they're going out of business. I'm not saying that's cool, but I'm saying – uh, it's really cool for us here, but yeah, that that does blow me away that uh, that it, this is the last place it's gonna have a uh, you know have a show. Yeah, and Minneapolis, I've said it many times, uh, and I really really mean it. Um, you know, just that that was good for PBC. They ended up uh, providing a, a a good atmosphere. It looked good on TV. The, the crowds were good and enthusiastic, and I never got when people questioned, say, "Oh, why, why are they going to Minneapolis?" And I and I just kept thinking, "Well, it was kind of like when USA Tuesday Night Fights always used to go to the Blue Horizon. You know, it it, it yeah. looked good. It, it looked good on national TV. You know, it was a small venue, but it was in Philly, a classic venue, and it, it looks good on TV. And I definitely think Minneapolis did that for PBC. You know, I, I think that 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 works. So in that sense, it's it's fitting, but yeah, it, it's just it's just hard to believe that even though that became a good thing for PBC, uh, the last Showtime card in December is going to be there, and that's it. And I especially didn't think it the way, as we described during the show tonight, the, the way the year set up for you know Showtime boxing, even though it was on pay per view, you know Davis Garcia, and then uh, Crawford Spence, and then followed by. You know, Jermel Charlo and Canelo, you know, whatever the reasons, I, I don't think it matters that much. It's, you know, sh- Showtime and then you know, CBS, you know, Viacom, you know, Paramount completely out. Um, you know, that's pretty, I mean, pretty pretty shocking that it happened that it happened this year. That no, nobody, no, I, I don't think anybody. Yeah, it didn't even make it to 2024, you know. When the right, contract was exactly. supposedly up, so yeah, I, right, right, and then you know you and I talked about it as it happened. Other people weren't as much, but it, it did turn out that was it. You know, we we were talking 
as Fox was scaling back that, you know, it wasn't good and maybe hopeful that, that some of the stuff that they were doing at the end could keep going. But, you know, they also ended up totally out of it. Um, so it's not good, but, but none, none of the, none of the entities are exempt. You know, we've talked about what's going to happen with the top ranked deal. And I like that they're trying this Thursday night this week, but you know, when you look at the odds of the fights, those are legit criticisms. I mean, you know, Stevenson's for this era, not for other eras, even more recently, but for this era, his numbers have shown some promise. That's a good thing. That kind of excites me to a degree, but um you know, he's an East Coast-based guy from Newark that's part of the marketing, and I think it's a real good part of the marketing. But, you know, f- fighting at a, on a card that's starting at 1030 on a Thursday night in the East, I like the Thursday night for a change. I think it's time to change some things up, get off the Saturday night thing. But I, I'm not, I don't like the 1030 for reasons I've talked a lot about on the show, and, and it applies. I mean, the East Coast guy in Stevenson, you know, running them that late on a Thursday, you're, you're capped. You're capped for how well it's going to do right off the bat. Um, and and the odds on the the two main fights, you know, Stevenson and uh, De Los Santos. You know, Stevenson minus twelve hundred, and then Navarrete, and you know, Conceição. You know, he's a minus one thousand favorite. You know, we know who the again we know who these guys are, but when you when you look at odds on those fights, you know even if it's going to be on regular ESPN and ESPN Plus, there still can be criticism offered because ultimately you got to have competitive fights. Or even if if somebody breaks through with a KO that that in a fight we thought was going to be competitive, and then that makes you really want to talk about them and stand out. You know the, the, these fights these fights with these kinds of odds are, are kind of leading to nothing. They always say they're leading to something, but really they're a lot of times just leading to nothing. Yeah, that's the key. Um, so, I mean, do you, do you, you know, it seems like Stevenson, you know, it's just, even if he has to just outbox him, um, could, you know, just could do that. Like, you know, he's got multiple game plans. I think he's a pretty good pressure fighter just doesn't have the power he's got some pop to respect but not the power uh he's very skillful you know we know all of that but um i I just don't see de los santos isn't like the most powerful guy you know what i mean i don't know if i i don't know i mean foster was able to box really well against um um you know de los santos can do some inside and outside stuff but um he certainly can't fade in the second half like we've seen him in certain fights. But uh, what do you think of the co-feature? Do you think maybe just stylistically that'll be a good TV fight? Or are there, you know, uh, I mean, Navarrete's opponent is a rough-and-tumble guy. He's a guy that will get some points deducted. Uh, He's got some skill to him. Um, Obviously a different style of fight like, you know, than when he fought Stevenson, obviously. But do, do you see anything in there beyond hopefully it's just a a good fight? Because, yeah, on paper, you're right. I mean, Troy Isley against uh, Vladimir Hernandez and Norman Jr. against Rand- Randall, I'm actually looking forward to those fights kind of more in a sense because, you know, it's something like some unknown to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, Conceição, he's 35. 
Stevenson almost had him out of there. He was really beating him up. And, you know, Stevenson's, you know, not known as an aggressive puncher. Of course, you know, Navarrete throws a lot. He's aggressive, good pop, coming off a really good performance against Valdez. Actually, the closer this one's getting and the more I'm looking at it and thinking about it, talking about Navarrete and Conceição, I don't even think it's going to be as competitive as maybe, you know, we were thinking when this fight was, you know, first announced and, and just, again, kind of what I've talked about earlier, because you know the names of both guys, but you really look at it. I mean, Stevenson put a, put a lot of beating on him. Um, and Kasei Salia came close against Valdez, but uh, came up short. And, you know, you, you look at the dominance that Navarrete just had over Valdez. Um and then thinking of how many punches Navarrete throws, I, the more I think about this fight, Conceição's age, I, I don't think he goes the distance. I, I don't think it's really competitive, com- competitive. You know, with Navarrete, you're looking at that Liam Wilson fight, and like, okay, he had the surprise trouble. He got dropped, which is true, but uh, all fighters can happen that to him once in a while. I, I don't think that that means that, this is going to be anything that good. So I actually don't think this is going to be that competitive. The more I've thought about it, De Los Santos and Stevenson, like you said, Stevenson can do different things. That's kind of, you watch, you know, Shakur Stevenson kind of right. Depends who he's in with and how, how he kind of decides to fight. I mean, you know, it is probably one, you know, one of the areas where it's look worth looking at punch stats. I think right now in all of boxing, he gets hit the least. So, you know, when you're talking about arguably the number one defensive fighter in boxing, and then you were talking about De Los Santos, you know, he, he got the upset KO of Valenzuela, which was an impressive result. But, you know, he got dropped earlier in that fight, and he just kind of caught him. You know, as you were kind of alluding to, I think, you know, De Los Santos against Adarno, we thought that would be an offensive explosion. Adorno didn't bring that like we expected, but De Los Santos didn't either. He looked a little bit better in that fight boxing than we expected, showed some things maybe we didn't think he had. But I'm looking at that and saying, you know, just because he boxed a little bit better than we expected against Joseph Adorno, but didn't put any hurt on Adorno or getting close to getting him out of there, even though Adorno is a guy often in slugfest, uh, Arguably, that wasn't that impressive. In other words, because what little bit additional De Los Santos showed in that fight that we thought he might not have, he really he can't utilize against Shakur Stevenson. In other words, and that's where sometimes these guys make mistakes. Like, you know, he, he's not going to box with Shakur Stevenson, and if he thinks he's going to pick up where he left off against Adorno, and he's going to be standing outside with Shakur Stevenson and boxing, pull that off, and and I think that probably then does end up looking like that Stevenson Nakathila fight. Because the thing with, you know, Shakur Stevenson is it looks like if he decides a guy might be able to hurt him, then he he doesn't unleash his offensive skills and he, he just really defends, you know, does enough offense to win the rounds but kinda, you know, focuses on not getting hit. And that's not going to be that entertaining of a fight. Now, the one thing for Shakur Stevenson you can say is when he feels, you know, I do like some things I see from him offensively when he's in with somebody he kind of decides can't really hurt him. You know, I've seen him go to the body, 
surprisingly effectively. And, you know, you see, like, in that last fight with Yoshino, a guy who really who didn't belong in the ring with him, you know, when he decided, I'll just open up on this guy, you know, he spectacularly got him out of there. So he, he's that's been encouraging that as his career has gone on, you see moments where he can do that. But it, it seems like, you know, like Valdez he hurt early, and then, you know, Valdez does have some pop, and it was kind of like he, he decided, ah, I'm just going to, you know, shut this guy out the rest of the way, you know, which which he did. And, and he did hurt him in the fight, but it, it just seems like if, if he decides that maybe the guy can hurt him, he, he's just going to focus on defending, and it can be a boring 12-round decision. Um, I hope that – I'm hoping for entertainment value's sake that, you know, Stevenson – decides that De Los Santos really can't hurt him and, and he decides to open up on him. And I, I saw, this is something I'm not going to predict, but, you know, we do talk about the odds here, Chris, on the show. I, I did notice just before going on, I'm like, I'm not going to predict this one, but just because of the difference in the skill levels of the two fighters, I saw Stevenson for KO is plus 340. And I thought, I could see throwing something on that. I mean, plus 340 with the difference in the levels. Um, that seems to me to at least be worth a flyer. Sorry, you broke up a little bit at the end. What'd you say? I was just saying, I'm not going to predict it, but if you want to look at flyers that might be worth it, considering the difference in the skill levels between the two fighters, I saw Stevenson KO is plus three forty. That seems like that might be worth a flyer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that, that that's a good call. Yeah, even if yeah, because yeah, I could see it. You know, if someone's gassed in, in, in a TKO or something, yeah, it might be worth a flyer. I could see that. Yeah, I just I thought I'm not going to predict it, but I thought you know I didn't really like right. any of the betting too much this weekend, but I'm like, yeah. Plus three forty—that's a low risk. I mean, you can put a little—you can put a little on that, and maybe if Stevenson decides De Los Santos can't hurt him and he opens up on him, he might be able to get him out of there. I mean, it could be a boring twelve rounder, but plus three forty—I mean, that's—that's giving you pretty good, pretty good numbers on that. You know, you mentioned Isley. Isley, to me, uh, unlike a lot of others, I haven't been impressed by Isley. Every time I watch him, I'm like, I still don't see it. So he's got the amateur pedigree, but doesn't always happen, and I don't see it. So I'm not saying it's going to be this weekend, but, yeah, I, I mean, in that sense, I, I think he's an, he's a candidate to be upset at some at some point soon. Sure. I don't know. I, I'm not saying it's going to be Saturday, but I, I do see him like, you know, I don't, I don't see him on the level of, a, you know, Keyshawn Davis or like a Bruce Carrington, the, the, some of these other top-ranked prospects who have good – amateur careers that they've been building up. I, I don't, I don't, I just, I just don't see it with Isley. I, I, I keep looking for it. He doesn't get guys out of there. You know, you look at him physically, he looks like he could, but he doesn't. And, and it keeps happening. And this is just fighting low level guys. So the pop's not there to me. Um, he doesn't look that good. You know, I'm not saying it's going to be this weekend, but uh, he, he's, he's, uh, he's going to get upset. I, I think he's going to get upset. So I, I don't know if it's going to be this weekend, but, but I think he's, he's going to get upset. But, uh, you know, at least we're getting this card on ESPN, ESPN Plus. But when you look at the odds on the fight, in that sense, 
still not that great of a card. Yeah, no, that's fair. Any other items that you uh, would like to give your thoughts on or address? I think we got it well covered. I think Fury Naganu, which we talked about a lot, uh, just wanted to get get my take out there on it. Uh, and then leads up to what this announcement we're supposed to be getting tomorrow, just in terms of the Saudis. Apparently the money is there, but, um, you know, is boxing going to be able to deliver with, you know, the events that, that end up, uh, you know, capturing, capturing the fans imagination. Like we'd hoped, you know, one time or another, I I do think Fury, Usyk's been a little diminished. Now you're saying, Chris, still get up for it. I mean, I do think Fury will be better. I'm, I'm in that camp, and I'm not saying I won't necessarily pick him, but, and I don't think Nagano, like, necessarily beat Fury. I mean, the decision wasn't outrageous or anything, but just still, it just, kind of after that happening, it just, it just, just feels... Luster. Yeah, it just feels lackluster. Lackluster is a performance as it could be. <laughs> right. It just feels like the wind's kind of out of it, and then... But then we know, are dealing with Fury here, John. We are dealing with I Fury. Know. So you never know yeah, what the hell he's going to get from this guy. No, look, he got dropped by Steve Cunningham. I mean, he had remember when he was first coming back, and he he had he had his fights against Panetta, and you know, yeah, yeah, he, that, you know, he's he's had those moments. I mean, even the win over Klitschko, you know, they talked about the significance. Of course, the significance because Klitschko had been the long term lineal champ, but but that was. That was one of the worst fights I've ever seen. I mean, it really, no yeah. exaggeration. Yeah, he beat him easy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, just you. a terrible, just a terrible fight. So, I don't know. I, you know, you, so why is it, why aren't we just getting Wilder, Joshua, if they're going to do this? Like I said, really the only answer is they, they can get the money anyway for these opponents. I mean, somehow their promoters have been able to work that out. So, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I have some skepticism, but like you said, if the money's there, it'll happen. So, and the Saudis have had the money there. And I want to hear everybody say we have a free fight. You know, we have a deal in place for the fight. Because if I don't get that, then I'm really going to be pissed. Because it's like, okay, so it's bag. We don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, they better have this stuff figured out. And I'm assuming they will, but you can't assume uh, when it comes to boxing. I got I to gotta know for sure because that would really suck. I mean, okay, sure, December 23rd, you know, it is what it is. It's right around the corner. It'll be done. We'll get the Fury, Usyk, and then maybe Wilder and, and Joshua. That'd be cool. But, yeah, I, we better be hearing about – and the plan is, and we have it signed, and we both have a three-fight deal, and we, you know, all the stuff you need to freaking hear that says this is what we're going to do. So hopefully that happens, but we won't know ultimately until, uh, well, really we won't know until we get much closer to December 23rd, obviously, you know, but let's hear it, let's hear it. Anyway, um, thanks for, uh, you know, calling in, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, John. All right, Chris, thanks for uh, having me, as always. Great talking with you. Oh, yeah. Take it easy. Okay. Take care. All righty. Um, yeah. Um, so as far as my take on this, like I said, the, the main event, 
Shakur of late has been more aggressive. Um, he just doesn't have a lot of power, but he, I think he does have pop. Makes his, you know, he definitely is like accurate enough with his punches to make them count. You know, that's for sure. I think he's very capable of keeping someone off him if he needs to. That's for sure. But, um, you know, De Los, I don't know. De Los Santos, he actually, he was pretty uh, excitable from the clips I saw. I didn't see the whole presser. But um, one thing I'll say when we talk about this opponent, um, you know, let, let's be fair. They did try to get Frank Martin, and they tried to get some other folks, too. And Edwin De Los Santos took the fight. So, you know, let, let's keep that in perspective. De Los Santos took the fight. The other guys didn't. Now, we can go back and forth and forth and back on, you know, why Frank Martin felt like he needed a, a couple more hundred thousand or whatever it was. Um, you can, you know, if, if he's about to get some tank money and it's going to be three million, well, then okay. But if you don't get any tank money, then it'd be a kind of a silly kind of dropped the ball. Um, you know what I mean? It's kind of in between there. Uh, like I said, maybe he's the second in line and he's going to fight him next summer. I'm talking about Gervonta. Um, well, then, yeah. Then it's like, well, shit, you know. If you're going to take your L, you might as well get, you know, $3 million or whatever. But um, we got to see that to believe that. It's got to be next or the one after, right? I mean, because most people do think Gervonta is going to fight a rematch because it can sell um, and it can do good pay-per-view numbers and gate numbers and just get that out. My guess is they're going to get that out of the way in the first quarter and then look for a big fight this summer. That's just my guess. That's what I've kind of heard as well. Um, But I wouldn't be shocked if it's Frank Martin left. I just, you know... If you're going to fight someone, my guess is they're going to be on this with Gervonta. They're going to be on a good fight and a sellable fight. Good fight that people really want to see and then a sellable fight. I think just going to bounce back and forth with that. Um, So if it is, you know, the rematch um, with you-know-who, who's, you know, as popular, he's only gone up since then. Like I said, they can do a hell of a game. And they can do, I'm not saying 20 million, I'm saying, but it's going to be a damn good game. And they can do pay-per-view numbers. Um, but if he does that in February or something, January, then you do Frank Martin in the summer and then close the year with the, you know, a big, big fighter. Does it go back to the money? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, when I say money fight, it's just they know they can fight this. It's a quality fighter, but it's not some kind of really, oh, you think he's going to beat Gervonta type thing. Um, so, but like I said, if Frank gets the fight next, well, then that would shut us all up, you know, because then you wouldn't have, then I wouldn't, then I totally get what he was saying. But then it kind of makes me feel like, well, if he's only looking for a couple hundred thousand, then, then why, if you're going to get that fight, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, we'll see. Up until now, I, I believe it's going to be, you know, a Tank and Pitbull, part two. First of all, it's just a part two on the promotion. It's like, why is there a part two? 
casual fan, huh? Part two. Oh, you know. Um, like I said, I'm not talking about any kind of, you know, six hundred thousand or you know nothing like that. But it's gonna, it, they're gonna make. It's a profitable fight, is my point. And I, I've said that in the past, and I've gotten some pushback. Trust me, it's a profitable, profitable. Uh, and that, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm a boxing fan first, but I'm a realistic boxing fan. Maybe it's because I'm older than 20s and 30s. Um, and, and I've kind of seen it come and go all around, you know what I mean? And so I just, I don't know. Like, I get it. That's why on this show we do put our promotional and management in, you know, that type of it, – because it's a business, for Christ's sake. That's what it is. There's no doubt about it. It's a business. All sports are. Um, this one's just out of control uh, as far as being a business until, until one entity buys up all these entities and, and they own all of it. Then it'd be a different thing for, you know – the federal government gets involved, which that's not going to happen. So anyway, um, as far as in the fight go, you know, game go, the, like in that fight, De Los Santos, hey, I mean, he, he, he has some skill to him. Um, he can jab. You know, sometimes he'll surprise you and be like, oh, hey, he's, he's, you know, he's not going crazy. He's going, he's going, he's not going for it, but he's actually boxing a little bit. I, I don't know. He, he can do a little work on the inside and the outside. Um, like I said, that Foster at times was able to box well. I'm not saying that was some kind of, he outboxed him easy or something like that. That was a close fight. What was an eight-rounder, right? Um, I think I mentioned he can't fade in the second half. That could possibly be the, you know, that, that fading could be the what gets them stopped if that were to happen. I, I personally don't think it'll happen, but that that's probably what it would be. But the left hook to the head and body is a pretty damn good weapon. Uh, but, yeah, I see Shakur Stevenson winning this one. Like I said, he can win a couple different ways. Um, it's just a matter of style and, and kind of his mentality going into this fight. And, you know, him, him like, not, like, going for the knockout if it's, you know, when it's there, it presents itself, but pushing the pace. Once you've shown that you're not on this dude's level, and then amp it up a little bit more, amp it up a little bit more, even if you get touched up a little bit, going for the knockout people. Of course, you'll get shit for it. Oh, you got touched up. But if you're really trying to put it on them, you know, that does help. Obviously, if you did get a TKO or something like that, that that shit helps, you know. But I I see a decision in, you know, the co-feature. I do see, you know, Navarrete um, winning the fight. And I think it's going to go the distance, but, you know, that, uh, what is it, Conceição, um, like I mentioned, he, gets, he can get a little rough. Maybe he can get, uh, you know, Emmanuel out of his game plan a little bit. Because, like I said, he, he's had, you know, what, three, three times at least he's had uh, points deducted. Um, I think he's got a quality jab. He's a skilled fighter. He, he does lack, you know, um, solid defense, you know. Um, and, and he probably, that's the thing, he probably lacks the defense and the power to beat Navarrete. 
That's probably what it is. But he does have a pretty good right hand. Um, and he definitely, you know, he likes to, to throw both to the head and body so he can, you know. I, I mean, Navarrete overall, the high punch rate, you know, the we talk about it with him a lot, the ability to change the trajectory of a punch mid-flight, mid-throwing it. Um, those looping punches, um, that long-distance uppercuts, you know, that I've even, you know, been very critical of, everyone has for a while, but the guy just makes it work. He just makes it work. And, you know, he even showed us some decent footwork. And he was like, he was showing a little bit of, I can move, you know, my feet a little bit, my head a little bit, but be right there to still punch it. He actually showed some of that. Um, so he, he is an exciting fighter to watch. Um, I have to admit, you know, I, I did pick Oscar Valdez. I thought he would be able to, you know, be fairly active stop him in his tracks enough and, and, and pivot and circle him and, and do some of the things that we know Oscar can do. And I was wrong. He didn't, he didn't do that. And um, I just think the work rate, um, like I said, he just finds the target or he finds the openings. You know, like I said, changing the punch midair, looping the overhands. Like he just, he gets his ang- the angles and the awkwardness that he shows and it's different type of angles, you know, when you say, Oh, the footwork angle is not necessarily bad. Um, it's just, I don't know. He's just, he's a, he's a difficult, uh, fighter to fight. I mean, you gotta be really on your P's and Q's with it. So I got, I got two decisions. I got two decisions and, um, so Abdul Mason is the other guy I think I was trying to, yeah, Abdul Mason, Abdullah Mason is on the card. Um, I I have to agree. Like I, I haven't been huge on Isley as well. I, I think I'm a little higher on him than John, but Vladimir Hernandez is a good fight for him. Now, you know, at first glance, it's like. He's like 13 and 5 or 15 and 14 and 5, something like that. You know what I mean? He's been, eh, you know, he's been stopped before, blah, 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 blah. I mean, Jesus Ramos stopped him, you know, not not that bad. Uh, Madrima, I think that was, wasn't that his debut? Madrima, I can't remember. Um, stopped him. But, you know, <clears throat> we know he got the, the win over uh, Julian Williams. And then recently, <clears throat> he beat an unbeaten, you know, unbeaten prospect, Lorenzo Simpson, you know. So, and, and that was this year. In fact, that was, what, August or something like that? Maybe July. Uh, it was recently. It was recently. Let me check that out. Actually. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, it was August 20th. Okay, that, that is even later in August than I thought. Yeah, August 25th. So, um so yeah, I mean, I do. I have interest in these these undercards, no doubt about it. Um. Oh yeah, the Vargas prospects on there. That's right. Yeah, Vargas is on there. So I think it up Brandon Mendoza. Oh, boxing scene has him ranked six hundred and seventy nine. But you know, I mean, 
Emiliano Vargas, you know, he's still, yeah, he's early in his career. So I'm just having a little fun. I think this is like seventh or eighth fight, something like that. So I do like the card overall. Um, it's more of a hardcore card. And let's just hope like that, you know, it does pop off that night to where we get, you know, better than expected, I guess you could say, fights. Um, someone did message me saying that there was some uh, some upsets on that uh, Shabazz uh, San Martin card, and that's true. Um, what was it? Callum French, he got beat. He got stopped, didn't he? Yeah, he got stopped. I think that was like, I think it was the late, uh, last round, right? Was it the... Ten? Oh, no, no, it was an eight-rounder. Yeah, it was an eight-rounder. Um, yeah, both of them were eight, right? Or stoppages, I should say. Because I think I messed it up. The, the the other one was Ewan McKenzie, and I think that one was a ten-rounder, but it got stopped at eight by Ismail Davis. Um, so Jeff Ofari, is that what it is? So, yeah, that's a good call. That was a good call. Good. Thanks for reminding me. And then you do have Diego Pacheco, um, and hopefully, you know, he gets his fight in, and then, you know, they just keep stepping him up. I mean, they're talking about having Berlanga next. We'll see. He's taking on Marcelo's uh, – I forget the guy's name. I know Erica Cruz Hernandez and Rivas fights on that card. Um, and like I said, there was a card going on. You know, as we as we speak uh, on the ESPN Plus right now for Montreal, um, and there's a pro box card. So, um, you know, I, I just I do think like I, I like I said when he was on here, I don't really agree with um, that. This, these fights aren't going to happen. Um, it's Steve Claggett and Madueno uh, or whatever. I think that's that's the main event, I believe, right? Am I right on that one? I think I am. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, Floyd Diaz is in a – that is true. Floyd Diaz is in a good fight for whoever just uh, messaged me. That is a good call. That is a good call. He's in a, he's in a good fight. Um, and then the other card, um, Nick Ball and Isak uh, Dogbe. Isaac Dogbe. I almost went with Isaac Cruz. Isaac Dogbay and Nick Nick Ball. That as that is a pretty good fight, Dogbo. Or Dogbay, well, you know, I don't know where he's at in his career. Um but Denzel Bentley fights on that card as well. It's actually um some interesting fights that uh a lot of folks I've seen are, are talking about uh Harry's um scarf. Scarif, and uh, like he's a live dog in the fight. He's, he's taking on that Ikao, uh, Isuman or something like that. Let me check. I know the odds are like in the 200s. Yeah, so the odds plus 225, Harry's plus 225 all the way up to plus 250. So that is one of the closer fights of the weekend. Brad Foster and Rise Edwards is a is a pretty that's probably that's actually probably the closest one right there. Um, 
on the odds this weekend. So, like I said, there there is a lot to to watch. Um, you know, I just I really do hope that we uh, get some good spirited fights and whatnot. Uh, let's see. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> All right, so okay, sorry, just uh, reading this message. I will not <laughs> be reading, um, you know, to you guys because I don't really. Uh, okay, so the top rank, or no, I'm sorry. The um, what I was gonna say is I think Wallen is a good opponent. That's better than his last two fights for AJ. Frank Sanchez, Bibble, Dubois, Hergovic, um, other people could could be on this card. Um, so yeah, I think it's a respectable, you know, Odo Odo Balin. Definitely a respectable uh, opponent, and I'll stand by that. I think that Wilder, you know, getting a camp, getting a fight getting some rust off, just getting to actual fight. Because, you know, it was a year off and then a, a quick fight, then another year, over a year off, and it's going to be, you know, what, 13 or four, what, 14 months by the time he fights, 14 or 15 months by the time he fights uh, Parker. And Parker, with the jab, with the size, you know, I, I actually think, it's not a. I'm not talking about like a carbon copy of Anthony, but the way Joshua is likely going to fight this fight against Wilder, you know, if they beat and actually, you know, do that, um, he's probably going to fight with the jab and being on the outside, and that's kind of what he's been working at. We've seen it in some of these fights. Patient. Let the let the guy come to him, blah blah blah. You know, I don't think he's gonna go right at Wilder. Um, you know, maybe that's his best bet, but I don't think he's going to. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna say he's gonna move as much as he did against Andy Ruiz, but Ruiz actually comes to you with his feet a lot quicker. He's got quick feet. Didn't in that fight <laughs> for obvious reasons, but he is gonna try to close the gap on you and all that. So that's why he was moving more in that fight. I don't think he – I think it would be just a little subtle sidesteps, resetting, but throwing the jab. You know what I mean? That, that's what I'm thinking. And then, you know, according to, you know, a couple different sources, you know, whether it's uh, Dan Raphael or good old Cop, uh, Coppinger, February 17th, it sounds like they have that Fury Usyk blocked. And loaded. That that's that's what they're telling us. Um, so tomorrow, this is what they're telling us tomorrow. And like I said, you can hold on. I'll just finish what I said. Tomorrow is the press conference, and then the next day it's supposed to be the press conference uh, for the Usyk Fury. So if we get both of those press conferences, this shit's going to happen. And, and if you look at the pictures. You know, from Anthony Joshua and Eddie, and, and if you look at, you know, Wilder posing, you know, with the money, you know, one of the higher-ups over there, right? Um, so I guess it's in London is where uh, they're going to have the press conference. 
So, um, you know, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. If we can get this fight, it still would be great. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, there just better not be like Eddie Hearn saying, well, after the fight, we'll see, because if there's a belt that comes loose, if the IBF belt comes loose, you know, if, if that, that's, uh, no thank you. You know, at that point, no thank you. Because then it's like, come on, dude, what, what are we doing here? You know, what are we actually doing here? You know, so... That would be, but I, I, I do think that this is finally going to happen. Uh, you know, as long as they <laughs> get by who they need to get by, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you could say, well, this is how they used to do it. Uh, yeah, there's been plenty of fights that have been, you know, guys on the same card, you know, and then they fight next. That is very true. We've seen a lot of that in the history, but remember, we were told Fury, Usyk, AJ, and Wilder on the same fucking night. Now, I never really thought that would happen, but that's what they said. You know, that's what they were talking about. So then all of a sudden, it wasn't going to be that. Then all of a sudden, Wilder and AJ were taken off the table, and you heard Eddie and, and, and um you know, Shelly Finkel, you know, talking about, well, let's let's still make this fight. And, and it kind of felt like some positivity. They weren't, or Eddie wasn't going at anybody. You know, he's got your give and take. I mean, he was responding to uh, what maybe Wilder or, 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 you know, Malik Scott, I remember that. Breaking that down, Malik Scott was saying some stuff. So he, he was answering a question that time. It wasn't like he was just sending shots. And by the way, tomorrow, um, uh, Scram and Gonzalez, Guido, Scram, and uh, I think it's Johan Gonzalez, and also Justin Peldo uh, versus Jerry Perez, that's a pretty good fight. And uh, Jim, Jimmy Kelly and Juan Jose Velasco, um, so, yeah, that, that, you know, Pro Box, a lot of people, you know, it's more of a hardcore thing. I get it, but, it, you know, I don't know, man. It, it's been producing. It's been pretty solid, man. It's been pretty solid. Now, is there, like, a ceiling of what they can, you know, I don't know, like, what they can land as far as a fight? Sure, of course. Maybe down the line their budget will increase or whatever, but it's been solid, man. That whether it's prospect or mid-level fight, and you know, with no show showbox anymore, now PBC might have their own version of that. But you know, I, I I've liked it a lot. Let's put it that way. Also, by the way, the Daily Star Sport, according to them, Anthony Joshua is reportedly set to have Ben Davidson as his main trainer in his corner for Otto Wallin for December 3rd. Though he said he plans to return to work with Derek James again afterwards, and maybe that means January, February, maybe January. Um, and, and I've heard those two dates or those two months for the Spence Crawford rematch. You know, so 
obviously going over to Saudi Arabia in the middle of a camp is not ideal. This is Al Dawson. We've got to get him back on the show here soon. Sebastian Fundora will return to the ring. He says this is his quote. Uh, this is Pro Box TV, Samson Boxing. Uh, God willing, late January in 2024. So, also, uh, Arnold Barboza inks a promotional deal with Golden Boy. It sounds like he's going to fight on Ryan Garcia's card. So, good for him. I know he was a free agent, and I, I think he had like a – he got out of his top-ranked deal, but they could match – like, I think it was up to six months or something like that where they could match to see, you know, what was going on. Um, and like I mentioned, uh, Dimitri Bivol, this is Dan Raphael. Bivol reportedly now defend his, his title against Lyndon Arthur on that card. Um, he hasn't fought in a while. It is what it is. It's not a great fight, but so we'll see. Uh, Natasha jo- jo- Jonas and uh, Mikhail Mayer uh, is going to be in Liverpool at the MS Bank Arena January 20th. So that's a, you know, I like that fight. Also, we got it. We got 90 seconds left. Sorry, I just screamed because I screamed in my ear. Um, and I'm talking about the blog talk lady. 646-381-4990 is the number to call if you want to keep listening to the show. Um, if you're in the browser right now, 646-3814-990 is the number to call. Otherwise, the rest will be on archive. I'm not going to go crazy deep anyway. The February 3rd, Wembley Arena in London, of course. Um, Joshua Buazzi and Dan Aziz has now been rescheduled. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Definitely happy to hear that. Also, um... Her source, according to Dan Raphael, um, WBC flyweight title holder Julio Cesar Martinez is ticketed for a defense um, in the co-feature on that show box card up here in Minnesota. Minnesota. Everyone thinks that we talk like this up here. We're basically Canadian up here. We like to fish. Okay, I'll stop. Um yeah, so the his excellency uh has been taking pictures with uh Anthony Joshua and hearing someone just uh you know sent this to me. Um this is Tay Jones that they sent me a screenshot of Oh yeah, Herney Hearn finally let him sign that deal today. Now he's fucked. Three fight deal on the way. That that's Tay Jones, not me. Um Andy Cruz is gonna look now for a new opponent because Hector Tanahara is uh, got injured, so hopefully he gets a good one. And Frank Sanchez, like I mentioned, even Eddie Reynosa, Reynosa said, "Hey, you know, this is going to happen. That they're going to fight. So get over there and get on the card." Um, what else we got? Oh, I forgot to mention it. I forgot to mention it. See, I. I to me, I'm not really too caught up in this stuff, to be honest with you. Um, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Uh, I'm not trying to downgrade it or whatever. Um, 
By the way, it sounds like Callum Walsh, someone uh, texted this to me, that Tom Loeffler uh, said that he's going to be back March on St. Patty's Day, possibly at the MSG. So that's cool. That's cool. And I've made a bet, <clears throat> someone asked me too, I made a bet on Emmanuel Navarrete to, to win by decision. That's what I got so far. Um, what else we got for news? Yeah, people are saying this looks like a Dong King, um, you know, card. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Hearn, <clears throat> this is Boxing Social. Eddie Hearn, latest upon it. Oh, wait, actually, you know what? Yeah, this is funny. We wanted to make the we want to make that fight. We looked at the numbers in the UK, US, but also had approached to stage a fight internationally, which is a better number. Uh, we have to explore this. This is what he said a handful of days ago. Um, so take it how you want to take it, I guess. Um, but yeah, I better hear any. Although you can't always trust a promoter, but I better hear all everybody saying that shit, okay, about the free fight deal and that's real and all that. Um, because then I'll be like, okay, it probably wouldn't have been a good, you know, a big fight anyway in December. So happening so quick, so that's it. Get your fights in and then fight. By the time that's the thing. I'll say this. If they go, if they both get through their fights and then all of a sudden July comes around, you can bet your bottom dollar people are going to be pumped about this fight. Because remember, and I've gotten a couple messages about this saying, well, you know, they should have fought when they both had O's. I don't really care about the fight anymore. It's like, well, hold on. Wait a second. I thought that these fighters nowadays want to hold on to their O's and they're ruining boxing. Well, if you're a fan, and the reason why you don't want to see a fight because the O's are gone, well, then that's your own fucking fault. You can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both, even though you're going to. You can't have it that way, though, because how – I mean, so and it goes back to the example. So when Duran beat my guy Sugar Ray Leonard, should they have just stopped the whole Four Kings then? Fuck the Four Kings. Someone's got a loss. I mean, Hagler already, you know, Hagler, you know, should we have just stopped his career too then if we're going to talk about Hagler? And I'm talking about, you know, early in his career. But, like, so you don't like the fight. I mean, at least Joshua, you know, he fought Ruiz. That was a crazy shit, right? The second rematch wasn't as good, but he got his dub. He lost to Usyk. At least he definitely tried to get it back. Didn't, didn't work out for him, but... Remember, Tyson Fury and Wilder had their O's, and they fought. So, yeah, we didn't get Joshua and Wilder with their O. But we did get that with Fury. We got a trilogy. We got one really, you know, drama-filled fight the first time. Pretty brutal one-sided second time. And a great back-and-forth, both men on the canvas type fight in the third fight. So, see, here we go again. You're going to sit there and complain. Well, I just don't have the same interest. Well, yeah, you're not going to – it's not going to be like 2018. You're not going to have that exact same interest. But these are the motherfuckers that were still pumped about Manny and Floyd. 
what happened to Manny before he fell Floyd? Do we remember? Did we care about the fucking time it happened? Come on, dude. Like, don't give me that shit. Oh, they ruined the fight. Okay, then you can never, ever complain about a fighter hiding their O then. It's just silly. Who cares they both lost, dude? Uh, you know, both on both sides, you saw some vulnerabilities. It got exposed. Well, something's going to fucking happen in this fight when they fight, if they fight, you know. Uh, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to get into was the IBF made it official, and the writing was on the wall, unfortunately, uh, for, for Bud anyway, or his fans. But the writing was on the wall. This wasn't – he was going to get stripped. Now, you know, should they have stripped – Spence earlier, or or at least put it in the range of, hey, dude, you got to fight Boots or you got to fight somebody. They let the IBF let it go, no doubt. So this is the official IBF, you know, explaining the Crawford being stripped. Um, so they use the IBF rule 3B return bout states, no contract for a championship contest shall contain any clause or any provision whatsoever guaranteeing or in any way assuring or promising either contest uh, contest excuse me a return championship contest where such clause or provision interferes interferes with the mandatory defense of a title right that's that's what they said okay right now people love to prop up the IBF but the second they do this then all of a sudden they hate them right Right now, Ennis, you know, is back to full – or is up to full champ. Number one and number two is not rated. Crowley, James, uh, that Echo dude, Spence, that, that's the one, you know. I mean, they got, they got Jamal James. Hey, that's my guy. But they got Jamal James over Spence right now. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know what I mean? I will say this, like – who said it? Someone said it recently, like, well, hold on, you know, like, here's my thing. It, it actually, I had a quote. They came out and were like, well, you know what? Basically, no mandatory since 2018 for Spence, which obviously that, that is very true. Um, and, and this is what he said to Mike Coppinger, he told ESPN, uh, Daryl Peoples of the IBF president, he said, we probably should have ordered an interim earlier given the extent of Spence's injuries. We typically, we typically try to stay away from interims, but, um, you know, it should have been done earlier. We understand his recovery time. I have to own that. Nothing, you know, nefarious about it, whatever. Um, and, you know, Oh, someone sent me this too. Harlem Eubank drops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a headline. He dropped in the 11th. Yeah, Harlem uh, Eubank did win uh, a fight. So there you go. Um, you know, I don't know. To me, like, I get it. You know, they did do it quick. You know, they did it quick. You know, for sure. They did it quick. So that is kind of weak that they do it that quick. But sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's not. Lukey Boxing, shout out to Lukey, said people forget when Sean Porter lost to the IB, his IBF title to, to Kell Brook, they took him out of the top, you know, 15. 
and that's way worse. And this is what I responded to him exactly, which was way worse scenario than than this scenario. Way worse, way worse. And the reason why is because, dude, I mean, you you knock him out of the full rankings, like what he, he you know. He didn't fail a drug test. Like, what are you, what are you doing? You know. So, the the point is, the reason why I think people love to pick and choose which belt they like best, uh, or you know, when fanboys come out and all of a sudden they come, they they let other scenarios go, right? And, and these rankings are shitty in all of them, mostly. I mean, there's some good rankings here and there, but on average, these rankings suck. I mean, the fact that you can't rank a champion makes the rankings suck already for all of them, mostly. There, there are some good ratings once in a while, like this year. Oh, in this weight class, yeah, that's a pretty good ranking. But overall, the rankings suck no matter what. People love to, to hold up the IPF because they're stern. and But they do pick and choose when they're stern, of course, just like all of them. And they make their own rules. They can always go back and say, well... According to this rule, blah, 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 right? So my point is, in this one, though, it's like he wasn't going to fight Booth. He already said it. Now, you could say, you know, just vacate it so it's vacated and have Booth fight some equality for it. Okay, you know, that's cool. I would have liked that, but remember, how many fucking vacant belts at times Forget the secondary interims, but just a vacant belt. That, you know, there's been plenty of shit fights for vacant fights, too, or vacant, you know, uh, vacant titles, too. Crappy fights. Like, what, is, what are we even doing here, you know? So, and I see polls from time to time. Which belt, which sanctioning belt do you like best? I don't like any of them. Fuck them all. Like, like for Stanonius and Thurman, right? Whether that's going to be for interim, a real title now, or whatever the fuck, I don't care. It's the it's the best. It's a good fight. It's perfect for Stan Onius. And if people want, you know, and if Thurman wants people to think that he's still got some life left in those legs, well, you got to be Stan Onius. And that's a good fight. Most people thought he wasn't going to fight. So I don't care what the what kind of trinket it is for. You know, that's something I've learned in the last decade or so doing this where you're like, you know what, instead of like, okay, if something's a good ranking system or if someone says this is the Mando, like obviously Boots is a quality mandatory, right? But they did pick and choose, you know. But the point is Bud going to fight him. His biggest fights, it sounds like, it's not announced, but it sounds like, you know, the fight's going to be above 147 for the rematch of Spence. But he said Charlo, he's talking Canelo, uh, whether it could possibly be Tim Zhu. Who knows? But it's above 47 is the point, because he's the only one that said, the only fight I got at 147 if Gervonta comes up. But I don't, you know, I'd bet a lot of money on Gervonta not coming up two weight classes and fight Crawford. So to me, it's a nothing burger. Um, but this is Bo Mack. He said uh, he doesn't bring anything to the table. Terrence is at the stage now where he can pick and choose, and if he doesn't want to fight Boots because he doesn't bring anything to the table, I'm going to ride with him. 
I mean, it is what it is. Like, we already know he's not going to fight him. So who gives a shit? Ultimately. Like, I mean, like I said, we pick and choose when to get mad a sanctioning belt. And, and sometimes that is just straight up, you know, straight up bullshit. But we know he's the man. We know he's the man at 47. Why are we going to let the belt say, oh, no, he's not the man now? Who gives a shit, dude? Who really cares? I, I could care less. We already know what's what. You know, so I get it. It's shaky, but it's really, when we say shaky, is it? I mean, there's been a lot, you know, more shaky shit than this. Oh, a, a guy that fucking brings in money, <clears throat> a higher amount of money by a significant amount is getting treated better. Well, no shit. Hello. I mean, Okay, you know, of course, yeah, and tell me something I don't know. And I don't know, I'm not saying I know everything, you know, but, uh, but yeah, he was the interim, he wasn't going to fight him, blah, 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 okay, that that's just, it, it's a nothing burger, like I said, it means nothing, fuck this shit, they were able to fucking do it. By the way, it sounds like Greg Conan, so, boxing promoter, this is Jason Cruz, on Twitter, um, boxing promoter Greg Cohen in another lawsuit over allegedly not paying back loans. Man, I can't believe he's in another lawsuit. That's so shocking. Okay, this is rolled. He says, Boots is the IBF welter champ. Crawford is the world welter champ. Uh, Zoo is the world junior middleweight. Charlo is the world junior middleweight. Uh, once the line is that, once the line is that set, who wants uh, that? Who cares? Who has the belts? You know what I mean? It's so true. I, I, who cares, man? You can say, "Oh, that's not fair." Well, fucking hey, this is boxing, dude. No shit, it's not fair. Uh, Diego Pacheco, like I said, Eddie Hearn told. Uh, oh wait, I thought this was Eddie Hearn. It looks like Diego um, told Chris Mannix. I told Eddie. Oh, that's where I saw. It. I told Eddie for the next fight, I want to fight for Longa or another guy who's up there with me in the top ten. Next year, I'm ready for whoever they want me to face. This is Boog Williams, great follow. Imagine calling Lennox Lewis an email champ. By today's standards, I guess you would qual- uh, you know, he would qualify. Y'all wild, yeah, it's, it's true. Uh, by the way, it does look like Kenneth Smith against Alfredo Santiago. It's going to be on it. You know, it's going to be on that Minnesota card. You know when they used to uh, have quadruple headers? This might be six fights. Who knows? Uh, Magsayo sounds like he's going to be on the card, too. Everyone's going to be there. Everyone gets a card. Now, um, oh, yeah, I didn't mention, you know, the old man fight. And I saw some people saying, oh, this is disturbing, and this is horrible. This is worse than I thought. Dude, you rented the goddamn shit. Huh? Like, you didn't know that going in? <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, uh, back to Boog here, Ova J, O-V-A-J, J-A-Y, great follow, like I said. Uh, y'all trying to claim AJ. Oh, yeah, y'all trying to claim AJ. Claim AJ for bringing the, the heavyweight division back is funny. Buddy fought twice this year, and y'all said, and y'all are the same people that said the division is done. Yeah, the 
that's true. If he's bringing it back, then what he's been fighting. So what do you mean bringing it back? Um. All right. All right. Um. This is Chris Robwell. Um. Seems Eddie Hearn will learn at the Queensbury press conference tomorrow that his daddy isn't named Barry after all. It's Frank Warren all along. Um, Gabriel Gonzalez says Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder has fought one round in two years. While he, um, this will be Parker's fourth fight this year, don't be surprised if Parker wounds the showdown. I mean, that, that you know that's fair. That's fair. Um, Oh, oh, yeah. He said, uh, hold, hold check. Uh, y'all see how everyone is hyped about these announcements? Wait till the PBC drop their joint. Um, and he's talking about the fights, not necessarily, you know. He's talking about some fights that are going to announce. And I've been, I've been talking about that for a while. Melanaji said, who's the, who's the most overrated boxer of all time besides Kel Zaggy? And he deleted it. And Joe Calzaghe said, who's the worst champion of all time besides Paulie Malinaji? Um, you know, I don't think I don't think either of those are true, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, because I don't know too many people that hyped um, Calzaghe way up, besides, like, white dudes. Um, and that's just run of the mill, you know. But I'm saying while he was fighting, he didn't get big till the end. Or not big, but he didn't get attention till the end, you know. Which, you know. He had a lot of injuries, whatever. Here's Boog again, man. This is greatest hits, Boog. Bud won undisputed at, at 140 in August 19th, right, 2017, and vacated the IBS 11 days later. Miss me with the woe is me. They doing Bud dirty narrative. Yeah, I mean, that's what, – what do you need? Here's another one. Um, Schwam, I disagree with this. He said, this is a really bad move. It hurts Crawford's ability to maximize the money he can earn. And it rewards boots for talent, uh, for talent, even though his resume is iffy at best. I totally disagree with that because he's not gonna fight at forty-seven anymore. That's what he says. Because Charlo's not making forty-seven. Gervonta's not coming up to forty-seven. What do you think? Canelo's gonna shrink down to forty-seven? Come on, dude. Tim Zoo's not coming down to like. What do you mean it hurts the max? Maximize, the maximum money is going up to fight Spence, Charlo, Zoo, and obviously ultimately Canelo. But I, I just – like I can see if he was still campaigning and he, and he has like three to five years left or even three years left of his fight career. Yeah, it would hurt him a little bit. I, I agree. If you're not the end of speed, you don't have him all day. It could hurt. But like – I don't know, man. In this scenario, I just – what would that have to do with anything, dude? I mean, he's coming off a $20 million gate where he knocked Spence the fuck out. That's what's going to fucking help him. And then this fucking, you know, award tour. You know, I mean, this motherfucker's been on a tour, and I mean motherfucker nicely, Crawford. Um, he's been – he had a parade. He's been all over the goddamn place. I mean, he's – I'm not talking about he's milking it. I'm talking about he's getting the – I mean, this is a victory parade, but he's, he was doing a ton of media, dude, a ton of media. I heard someone um, that comes into this bar a lot, right, and she's from Nebraska. <clears throat> and the only other time I talked to her about 
a fight there, funny enough, with the Abenician. It's like, oh, I was just in town the other day, and there's a big fight. And I said, yeah, it's Terrence Crawford, you know. It's like, yeah, 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 that's him. And uh, people were in town, and everything's good, you know. And then I, I heard her talking about the parade and shit like that. So that was dope. But, yeah, that that's what he just did by beating Spence, especially how nasty it was. And how many highlight reels and memes and viral and all that shit, like, that's better than any kind of belt he can win as far as you're talking about maximizing his business. Uh, I just don't see it. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. We got ourselves a fanboy here. We got ourselves a fanboy. This is a great – I think this is going to close. Let's close it on this one. Actually, I got two. Uh, not fanboys, but I got two tweets left, and we'll shut it down. Bud stuck in between a hard place and a rock. Get cooked up. Get cooked up by Boots at 47. Fight Spence at 54 and get the shit beat out of him. Fight Charlo and get his ass knocked out or go up to Canelo and get, or, you know, go up to 68 and get pummeled by Canelo. (laughs) Man, I am starting. I mean, first of all, he ain't getting cooked by anybody at 47. Love me some boots, but boots ain't going to cook him. Crawford ain't getting cooked. And then he's going to – so so Spence is going to kick the shit out of him at 54? I mean, that's just – so he's stuck. He's stuck in a hard place. Isn't he going to fight him next? How is that being stuck? And then the rest – I mean, that's on some fan push stuff. Dude. That is – that's why I have this segment. Um, so I can just read it, have some fun with it, and I don't have to interact with these people and, and get into arguments and stuff like that. This is j Row. At 126, I favor Fulton over Robisi. Fulton might be even bigger than Robisi. Lopez, Ray Ford, Figueroa, super close. Haven't seen enough of Klomatov yeah, to know one way or the other. Vargas would be an interesting style matchup as well. Um I agree with this as long as Fulton, you know, um, and actually someone said uh, you don't think the KO loss. And, and he also, I think, I, 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 I'm right there with him on this, but also, um, like, I, we'd have to, we, we don't know if he's going to be timid or something, you know? Um, I mean, if he fought Figueroa, it wouldn't matter because no boy's coming at you, but like, you know, Robisi, he, that's a good style matchup. It's a fun style matchup. But, you know, he didn't get his ass kicked the whole time. You know, this is what I remember seeing this tweet. This is what J-Roll said, too, that, you know, he didn't – he made a good point. He didn't, he didn't get his ass kicked the whole time. He just got outboxed and then got brutally really hard. But he didn't get outboxed. I mean, he didn't get – sorry – he got out box. He didn't just get take a bunch of damage the whole fight. Uh, what happened a couple days later? That's more of a damage that way. But you never know. You do have to see it. You do have to see it. I, I, I agree with that. I think you do have to see it to, to believe it for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I like him at one twenty six. You know, I do like I do like him at one twenty six. Anyway, I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna get out of here on that note. Um, enjoy tomorrow. 
enjoy Thursday, enjoy Saturday, enjoy life. You know what I mean? And if you live in a northern state or a eastern state, you know you know what's coming. So you got this is probably for a lot of people it's like the last week or two of, of nice weather. You know, where it's sunny and it's like blue skies and it's not cold as fuck. Anyway, I'm gonna get out of here. Enjoy the fights this week. Be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival, of the bullshit, of the whole bag, and when you become the world champion, you're like, you know what, that made it. That will show you it's this. So I'm going to get any, every dollar worth of, 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 of what I deserve. Why? Because I'm the world champion.